Welcome to Hello Health Today, where health is a leadership strategy. I'm Dr. Carmen Mohan. If you're a regular listener, you know I'm deeply concerned that mothers are dropping out of the workforce. My team and I have been talking with each other and reflecting on not just the problem, but also the coping strategies we are using in our personal lives, as well as at work with our clinic members who happen to be parents. I've invited Hello Health counselor Megan Davies back to the show to help us share what's working for moms in particular. Megan, welcome back to Hello Health today. Thanks so much for having me back, Carmen. It's good to be here. Ever since the McKinsey Report on Women in the Workplace predicted a net loss of 2 million women from the corporate space, I've been wondering how Hello Health could help stop the loss of talent. Because most of the women we're losing from the workforce are caregivers and mothers for whom remote work and childcare are huge sources of stress right now. Yeah, that's that's totally true. You know, but I also I worry a little bit about how the media is representing that because they're saying women have dropped out of the workforce and it makes us sound like quitters. And we're not dropping out of the workforce because we're quitters, right? We're crushed by those competing demands of caregiving and, and breadwinning. And it's almost become untenable right now. I recently presented at a conference, as you know, um, ADP hosted Meeting of the Minds this week. It was a fabulous conference, but I ended up asking the audience a question, and it was, what is not, what's not on your resume that defines who you really are? And I think that it ladders back to women dropping out of the workforce, like the answer to that, right? So for me, I'm answering, you know, I'm a mother of these two children. I'm a wife to another physician who sees hospitalized patients. I mean, it's a busy household. And those are the things that drive my values. Those are the things that are not on my resume mm-hmm. that define who I am and what I'm willing to stand up for. I think it makes me a better physician that I'm a congruent person. But I think that it also, in the past, has really affected my career and the choices that I made. And I think we're seeing kind of that personal experience play out in the numbers. I agree. I mean, if you look at it, you know, if you think about the careers that women pursue, they're structured in a way to accommodate life cycles of a man who has a full-time stay-at-home wife. And so that is that is a bridge too far if you have... Um, more things in your life than just, hey, I want to work. And I think the women that we work with are high flyers, but they also care very much about their children and their partners and they're volunteering and they're wearing a lot of hats. And so I think that's why there's such a push-pull around that and the way that it's viewed, right? Um, mothers are doing way more than fathers. Sorry, guys, at home. But mothers are being judged negatively at work for it related to their performance. And the data actually does not align that mothers are doing less or showing up less in the workforce at all. Right. These are talented people. And in an era when diversity, equity, and inclusion are the buzzwords, it is distressing to see that the the gender gap is so desperate. It is. And it was interesting. Um, this past year, Ernst & Young actually did a study that looked at like time wasting, right? Because everybody does a little bit of time wasting in a day. But ironically, that's not so true for working moms. So the average employee wastes about 14.5% of their average day. And a working mom, it's less than 11%. And so to me, 
that speaks volumes about how we show up in the workplace and we're bringing our whole self there and we're participating um, more fully than the other employees are. I think it also led us back to why we're burning out of the, of the 1960s work culture. Um, I've noticed that for many of my, my moms in the, in the clinic, sleep went right out the window for them. For sure. It's, it's just, just not tenable. You have a really cool background when it comes to young mothers in particular. I do. Um, I was very lucky when I went back to grad school to do an internship um, in two practices that predominantly worked with women um, in the perinatal period and then postpartum. And so, you know, I got to watch how women felt and thought through the decisions they were going to have to make once they had a baby. You know, were they going to stay in, in the workplace? Were they were they going to stay home? Were they going to take a, an extended leave of absence? And just the amount of stress and decision making that came with that, you know, is, is overwhelming, right? And it's this is probably a bad joke to make, but I'm going to make it anyway. You know, you think about all of the ways that we have to think through so strategically to go back to the, back to the workplace that um, our husbands have, or other partners have just not had to think through. Right. So, you know, I'm, wor I'm working with a client who's worried about, okay, so I'm going to have to vet daycares. And then in the time of COVID, okay, so what are their COVID precautions and, and are the care workers or they have, they've been vaccinated. Right. And so, the baby's just being born and then you're already worried about, okay, so then where are they going to go to pre-K? And then are they going to go to private school versus public school? And then how, who's going to take the child back and forth to daycare or to school? And then we're not even talking about getting into after school activities. And so I think it starts from the very beginning. You know, if you look at a spouse's participation in that first year after a baby's born, um, the woman is usually carrying about 80% of the responsibility. And some of that, and, I think- And 95% of the cognitive load that you just referred sure. to with all of the decisions that need to be made from whether or not to breastfeed to what in the world are we going to feed this one that they eat like six times a day when they're transitioning from breast milk to solids. Um, you know, actually, I think one of our advisors had a baby early on, um, right as the pandemic was hitting, she delivered her first first baby. And she told me that it's amazing the amount of information she's trying to process to try to make the best decision for herself and her baby. Mm -hmm. And it's just as involved as her husband is, as caring and as well-chosen as he was, it just doesn't fall on his shoulders. And so this is an unnamed but well known experience for women who are the high-flying corporate types, I think. A hundred percent. And, you know, during that internship, I actually started doing something different with um, couples as they would come in because part of, you know, the care that we gave was either right before the baby came or right after um, we would have the husband come in because we want to make sure that we're checking for any maternal mental health issues that can't come after birth, whether it's regular baby blues or is there, you know, postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression or postpartum OCD. And those who were still in a pretty good place, I actually had them go through an exercise. I, so I would have the husband and the wife or the partner write down everything they were responsible for at home period, right? Like, so that could be kids, that could be doctor's appointments, that could be, you know, the garbage going out. And I had both people write them all down, send them to me individually. They didn't get to talk to each other. And then I would cut them up and put them on a table. 
this is pre-COVID, right? Put them on a table and we would have a conversation about how the piles would go. So it's like her pile, his pile. And then, you know, if they were fortunate enough to have means, the outsourced pile. Oh, wow. And it was amazing to watch that (laughs) because it was a physical action of having to look at a list and then looking at how many things were on there. How many husbands were like, oh, I had no idea. So I do think that some of them want to show up differently, but I think we don't often, what goes on automatically in our brain of thinking through everything that needs to be done, particularly after you have your first baby, their brains just aren't on that wavelength. And so we were able to take that, those lists and then break them down. And I know we do something similar in, in our practice now too, probably, but on steroids, it's like (laughs) a version of that family meeting, right? At the end of the day, when things have to get done at home, it's not one person's responsibility. It's the entire family's. And I think we have to work really hard to ensure that the women that we work with aren't taking 90% of that load at home and with the kids on top of the load that they're taking in the workplace. Yeah, to your point, I think that when you're cognitively overloaded and there is so much information, it is very difficult to ask for what you need because you're working through so much for yourself that you can't even problem solve, even though your spouse or your partner is right there and could be helpful to you. So I think some of the powerful things that we do is just provide those thinking tools like the family meeting template. You know, it's just a list of questions and categories that you should just talk through. You'd be surprised how quickly uh, the task list gets divided in half and how quickly children rise to the occasion as soon as even five or six years old. I've, I've been impressed by the number of kids taking responsibility for themselves at younger ages during the pandemic once prompted. They have to be prompted. Absolutely. But I think that's when it starts, right? I think that's raising our kids right, that they understand as to function in a family, everybody is contributing and everybody's going to contribute in their own unique way. But I mean, a child of four and five can clear the table. They can set the table. They can at least bring the laundries and as fancy as our washers and dryers are anymore, they can usually even start those. So I think it is um, talking about how important it is to have a hundred percent participation in the family. Megan, having Having suffered through my own postpartum depression, mm-hmm. I'm so thankful for what you do. Thanks. I, uh, I, I love <laughs> it. I mean, I, and I, I, I didn't know that that was going to end up being a calling for me, but it really, for me, flipped a switch when I was able to sit with, probably at this point in my career, hundreds of women and see how much they were struggling, not just you know, and feeling alone. And I think that's the one area that I think as women, we've got to be better at is connecting with each other and creating that backstage process that we talk about so much with our clients, because often women feel like, oh, I'm the only mom who's experiencing this. I'm the only one who's depressed and anxious. I'm the only one who can't get my act together. When in fact, I mean, 80% of women experience baby blues, that 80%, you're in the minority if you don't experience it. And then you add in, you know, 
if you transition from baby blues to postpartum depression or anxiety, you know, that's 25%. That's one in four women. And I think the better job we do of talking about it and normalizing it, I think the less alienated our moms are going to feel and the more support and comfort they're going to have because it's important you can brain share with somebody, right? Like someone that's safe. It's everyone's first pandemic. That's what Deanna Anderson of Moms Making It Together said. For sure. And yet when we bond together, we solve each other's problems, I find. (laughs) And I think there's something about, and I talk about this a lot in session, common humanity, right? We forget that there are certain commonalities that bond us together. And I think as moms and women, we need to lean into that to realize that there are other people just like us having the same experiences. And to me, that makes me feel so much less alone. And I know once clients let their guard down and let some of their friends in, they're like, why didn't I do this a year ago? One of the most powerful things I think we do at Hello Health is actually share strategies for healthy living that work in real life. And that includes our busy moms who are about getting it done. So yeah, that's great that you understand where I am emotionally and that I'm not alone in this experience, but like, how is this experience going to get better is mostly what everyone cares about. So what do you think, what do you think uh, is, is like the top thing for having things get better? (laughs) I think number one, and I think we talk about this in all of our workshops is putting yourself back on your calendar. And I think some women and literally need us to give them permission. Right. I think there's and I so think much they guilt. literally needs to say, this is what needs to actually go right here. Yeah. Like, let's pull up the calendar and put you right here and this aspect of you, whether it's that walk or some rest time or, you know, meditation. And that's one of my favorites, actually. I'm glad you brought that up, Megan, because when we say put yourself back into your schedule, it's because when you're a working mom, there, there's nothing, anything that's not on the schedule it just doesn't get done. It stands exactly. no chance of exactly. even getting done. And some of the times you'll skip it even when it's there. Because what's not on your resume will define you and what you're willing to trade that restorative energy for, right? A hundred percent. But I've even toyed with, and I think we should think about this. You know, we write prescriptions for things in the practice. I think this is a prescription, right? It goes yeah. right on the plan. This is the first thing you can do to ensure that you're going to be able to be resilient and have a few minutes to yourself. So I, it's like having a map, right? Like having mm-hmm. a map for how, <laughs> like start here and, and you're headed this way, right? <laughs> yeah. So I think that's, you know, that's probably the number one thing that we do in, in the business. But I think the other thing too is creating that backstage area. And we've referenced it a couple times already today, but to really have someone that you feel comfortable with being totally honest, authentic, being able to share your emotions, whether they're good or bad, that can really help you problem solve because sometimes you're so in it, you don't have the ability to step back and and really look at the situation objectively. And so having someone that you trust that can look at it from the outside with less emotion, then you're like, okay, I get it. I get what you see. And I'm, I'm missing that because I'm so in the middle of this and I can and I go think, back and make that change. Yeah, it's because the first step is not actually having that friend. The first step is realizing that you look like you have it all together. You are really strong. Everyone thinks everyone's in awe of what you've been able to do and, and to accomplish. So the first step to having a backstage is actually allow, like saying to someone, I need your help. Rather than I miss you or 
be great to see you, but I'm too busy, or the other things that women will say to each other, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I trust you is a really powerful statement that enables the backstage to occur. And once we're really honest and authentic with each other, we become very bonded. I I think that part of um, the development of confidence when you're taking on the role of mother for the first time comes from being really honest Mm. with what's going on Mm -hmm. because then people say well this worked for me it might work for you and it's like trying on shoes like you'll find you'll find a good pair if you just keep trying them on and then you'll be able to stand up walk run eventually but I also think there's something that you said that is the most important thing we can do is we are often comparing how we feel inside to what another woman looks like on the outside And so I think it is so important to have that conversation because I might look like I have it all together, but it is, but all the time, all all the time, (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) but, but on the inside, how that feels is very different. And I think that's the vulnerable part that we need to ensure that women are comfortable sharing. It's like, yeah, I might look like this all looks good, but before I was, you know, running out the door, I had to change clothes because the baby spit up on me and, um, the, the, my and help who for the day called out sick. Right. You know what? My husband things. always laughs and he says, you know, anything that comes out of babies is sterile. And I'm like, you know, that's just, <laughs> it makes you laugh when you wish you could cry, but you can't because you don't want to ruin your mascara. <laughs> so, you know, I think I, what I'm actually feeling right now is gratitude for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned to be really authentic with where I was with my kids during our family meetings, and it has helped them rise to the occasion and contribute their own ideas about what they'd like to take on as responsibilities. Now, I have great, great kids. Yes, you do. Um, but I've been, imp- <laughs> I've been impressed by um, just how much they've grown of their own accord as a result of our family meetings. I call it everybody needs to like function at the height of their license because mommy is too busy to be the one who comes up with all of the tasks and coordinating the schedules. And, you know, they're on two different school schedules, which means they have two different homework plans. And I mean, it can become really overwhelming just coordinating their lives. Um, Do you have any other folks who are saying this is what my kids are doing and it's really working for me? So I think from the, the, um, kid perspective it is you know outside of the all family meeting it's the conversation with your significant other about how those some of those things get divided and conquered and what other resources that you can utilize and so you know a number of the clients that I work with do have family in town and for the longest time would not make any ass and they had grandparents who were in town who wanted to spend time with the kids. And so how do you actually sit down and have that conversation? So we called them more like crucial conversations. Um, and so I had, had a client like last week and she's getting ready to transition back to the workplace. And it's like, I just can't even think about doing, you know, the drop-offs and the pickups every day. I just can't do it. And I was like, okay, so let's talk through that. And we were able to um, work on a plan for her to have a conversation with both her mom and dad who have agreed for the first semester back to school that they will do um, pickups, Amazing. I'm you know, just, every I'm other just week. Hearing that. Yeah. Amazing. Thank goodness for grandparents. And hey, thank for goodness friends. for carpool. Okay. Oh, My yes. carpool. Carpool moms, carpool dads. Those moms. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and dads, yeah, to your point, like, you know how many times I have been late or running behind where, you know, they're my carpool family. We're only friends because of carpool. And they have contributed. They're just a blessing in my life. And they add that flexibility I need to continue to see patients in clinic. But I think it's also teaching people it's okay to ask for help. I think so many people see asking for help as a sign of weakness. And what I say is asking for help is the biggest sign of strength ever. Mm, I agree. And asking for help, sometimes it's like, if you ask for help, other people will be willing to ask in return. Mm -hmm. And that's where the deepening of relationships come from. And I don't think we should underestimate the number of really great relationships that we can build. They're not just friendships. They're kind of like, you know, we're, we're partners in making this life worthwhile and useful and rich for all of us. A hundred percent. And I mean, what a greater way to have a, an authentic and real friendship than other people whose kids are growing up alongside your own. It's nothing like having a, a village. And they always say it takes a village, but they never tell us what the components are to making that village happen for us. <laughs> I think that is a unique U.S. thing, because when I look at how kids are raised in other countries, it really is the village that's helping the mom out and how they how other companies even look at maternity leave. There are a lot of countries that give the mom an entire year off. You know, there are some countries that it's up to like their school age. Um a lot of countries do much better job on, on paternity leave. You know, we're just really starting to crack into paternity leave here. And so, you know, I think if we're saying family is the most important thing, but we're not equipping um, our moms and dads in a way that allows them to participate fully, you know, we've got some work to do. And I think that's more of a, you know, system-wide work that we need to do than individual-wide. But I, I think those things make it extremely difficult six weeks off for a baby, eight weeks off. I mean, come on, you have a C-section. It's going to take you every second of those six weeks to get mostly recovered. And so I just think that um, when we have people, and this is my political side, I'm sorry, but when we have men making decisions for what our healthcare and what our leave policies look like, this is what they look like because they have no idea. I would love to watch a man if just one man had to carry a baby for the almost 10 months and experience all of that, I have a feeling they would take five years off. Yeah. Um, but but that's, the, that's the problem, right? Women are not able to participate in legislation that's ensuring or in conversations in the workplaces ensures that they get the help, support, and policies that they need um, to fully I think thrive. Moving, moving forward as we envision the work that Hello Health will be able to do, hopefully we'll be able to contribute to the culture shift that needs to occur in the workplace. But while that's happening, there are other solutions for coping with the way that things just are. So, you know, we're going to deal the cards that we were dealt, not the ones we wish were in our hands. A hundred percent. So what do, what do you think the key takeaways for now are? Because we're going to keep this conversation going. We are going yeah. to be really attending to um, our moms in particular, but we also we're interested in working parents. OK, so what action steps should we take right now? to help us cope with mothering while the world writes itself? Yep. I think the first thing is putting yourself on your calendar. And I don't mean just for a week is like sitting down and planning out the next 90 days. 
where where you are going to give yourself space for a morning coffee by yourself, where you're going to have a girl's night out, where you're going to be able to just sit in peace for an hour. But put that put schedule for the first 90 days, right? I think putting yourself back on your schedule and giving yourself permission to do that is the first thing. The second thing is really creating that partner in your backstage area that can help you troubleshoot when you are faced with obstacles and maybe too in the thick of it to come up with the right solutions. And I think the third thing is, well, three and four. Three, ask for help and ask specifically for what you need, right? I mean, I think we have to say, I need you to do carpool for a week. I need you to babysit the kids tonight so I can have a break and go see my girlfriends. Um, so I think that's part of it. And then I think the fourth thing really is that, that, um, family meeting, right? Because kids as young as four or five need to be part of the family meeting because I think that builds a strong family. Um, and the kids are going to go into the world when they grow up and understand what it means to contribute to a family, not just the love part, but that what, what it takes to actually make a, a family run in a home. And that does include laundry and cooking and cleaning and yard work and other fun things too, you know, family game nights. But um, pet I think care. That my oh, kids do pet care. Yes. <laughs> and we're talking chickens, cats, the aquarium, the frog. I mean, it's a lot of pet care in my house. <laughs> yeah, I'll send you my know, dog over. He can scare all of your pets. Oh my gosh, he's so great. <laughs> I've just thought of this. I can't believe that it's only just now occurred to me, maybe because I need a little bit more sleep. All moms, one more hour of sleep, please, would be mm. uh, great for the working brain. You'd be surprised how much uh, more creative we are with our problems when we've had a little bit more rest. But we need to actually post the family meeting template to our website. Let's make yeah. that a free download. Wouldn't yeah. you? Okay. So we're going to we're gonna post that, guys. It's... Um, the family meeting template. If you are interested, please download it. It'll be located at hellohealthtoday.com resources. So you have to put a, a forward slash and then resources. We're going to add that up there and um, take a look because it asks the right questions. It asks as many as we can think of, but modify it so that it works for you. And as always, the litmus test for whether or not the Hello Health system is working for you is, hey, does this make you feel better? Hopefully, yes. Does it make you feel crazy? Then it's not good advice. So take what works for you and leave the rest with our blessing. Megan, thank you for your time today. It's just fun talking to you. I'm excited to explore how we can help the system further modify for our working parents. I agree. And thank you so much for um, having me on. This is definitely a, a passion of both of ours. And so it's it, it feels good to be able to help women um, build the resiliency they need to survive this season of their life when they're moms. Thank you for listening to Hello Health Today. And thank you to everyone who rated and reviewed the show last week. Remember, today is good. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Because I am a medical doctor, it's important for me to tell you that nothing I say here in this podcast can substitute for your doctor's advice. My lawyers make me say the same thing this way. The contents of this podcast are neither intended nor implied to be relied on for medical diagnosis, care, or treatment concerning any individual. 
Under no circumstances does this podcast create a physician-patient relationship, nor does it constitute engagement in the practice of medicine or the provision of any healthcare service to an individual patient. This podcast should not be used as a substitute for professional diagnosis and treatment. Consult a healthcare provider before making any healthcare decisions or to obtain guidance about any medical conditions. The producers of this podcast expressly disclaimed responsibility and shall have no liability for any damages, loss, injury, or liability whatsoever suffered as a result of reliance on the information contained in this podcast.